Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening. Well, what's up, Abundant Life? If you have a copy of God's Word, once you find the book of Daniel, chapter 7, if you're new to the Bible, Daniel is going to be kind of in the middle of your Bible. You find right dab in the middle is a book of Psalms, and then you just keep going. You'll see a guy named Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then you'll, you'll stumble upon Daniel, chapter 7. As you are finding your way to Daniel 7, uh, today is like a, it's like a, a, a historical Sunday in the life of Abundant Life, and uh, we are celebrating something we've never celebrated before, and so y'all check this video out. Church, this is such an exciting day. We're up here at Cedar Falls, Iowa, with some of the great saints of God, with our online campus right here, right now, and for the first time ever in the history of our church, we're about to baptize members of our online campus. I am absolutely so thankful for Troy and Amy Price that had the vision for their barn, and it's now become a church house. And we are about to, right now, baptize 20 members of our church. Give it up right now. Man, that's awesome, man. And so, like, God's doing something amazing all over the nation and the world. It's incredible to see lives changed by Jesus. And and we're here because we simply just want to see God for who he is, and then we want to respond accordingly. But that's not always easy, is it? Like, I don't know if you're anything like me, but you're like, where's God at? Like, how do we see him, you know? And, and if you're new to the Bible, the Bible's going to teach this, that we are born spiritually blind. Like, we have a, a vision impairment. I don't know if you've ever had a vision impairment problem, but I didn't realize that my eyes didn't work real well until I got into first grade. And, you know, I'm sitting there in the classroom, and I'm squinting to try to read the board. And, and my teacher, like any good teacher, she tells my mom, hey, I, don't, I think your son can't see real well. Y'all probably need to go do an eye doctor. So my mom, being a great mom, she takes me to the eye doctor. Sure enough, I was, I was blind as a bat. I mean, according to the state of Texas, I was in a range that, that deemed me legally blind. And so I had to get some glasses so that I could see things properly. And when I got glasses, I became a child model. All right, this is, this is eight-year-old me. Um, I was never a child model, but I did have a mullet, all right? And, um, and they're back, mullets are back, and fanny packs too, okay? And shout out to the Mighty Ducks. That, that picture quacks me up every time I see it right there. So, sorry, dad jokes. Um, so I had to get glasses so that I could see properly, right? I mean, that makes sense. A lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and the reason why I start there is because we have a vision problem in the body of Christ. When it comes to us seeing God clearly, we see him blurry at best, many of us, and several of us see him unbiblical at worst. And we need to see God for who he is. We need to see God for how he's displayed himself in the scripture. That, that many of us, we've come in here, when it comes to our vision of God, like it's just, it's just not biblical, but it's what we have to work with. Like some of you, you come in here and you see God as like a distant deity. You know, like you believe in a God, that's probably why you're here, but, but he's like distant, he's disconnected. He does all the big things, like spins the world and causes the sun to come up, and, but he doesn't really care about like the gas prices. You know, he doesn't care that you were at Costco for seven hours, seven twenty cents a gallon this weekend, you know. Uh, he doesn't care about, like, you know, your family problems, and he doesn't care about what outfit you didn't wear or wear today, whatever. He, you know, he's not in the details. He's just kind of out there, and he does what he does. You do what you do, and it's just kind of 
That's kind of how you see God. Or others of you, you see God as like a divine therapist. And you go to God like you're here because you're in a season of need right now. And your vision is that you kind of go to church when you have need and you're kind of, you know, floundering in life, so to speak. And God is there to assist you in your journey so that you can be a better you. And oftentimes we'll see God like that. And so we'll come to God when we have problems. But once we get back on our feet, or back on our feet spiritually speaking, uh, we'll kind of say, okay, God, I'll, I'll come holler at you when I need you next time. Or others of you, maybe you don't see God in either one of those two ways. Maybe you see God more like a divine referee. Like you're literally here this morning because of what you did Friday night. And you're thinking, okay, well, God saw me Friday night. I shouldn't have done that. And so I'm going to go to church and I'm going to kind of, you know, balance the scale, so to speak, because God's like on the field of my life and he's just waiting for me to mess up. And you're going to mess up, right? We're all going to mess up. And some of us think God is there just to throw the flag at us. And, you know, the referee never really encourages the athletes on the field, but always reminds them of when they messed up. And many of you, that's how you see God. And we need this morning desperately to see God clearly. But, but listen, listen, you can't see God clearly unless you see him biblically. All right, I'm going to try that again, okay? Because I don't know, we're not, I know we're not like a big amen church, but, you know, like this is like a great spot for you to be like, oh, yeah, you know, amen, okay? And amen is just kind of church speak for like, yes, you know, like, let it be. All right, so let's try that again. Because listen, you cannot see God clearly unless you see him biblically. Amen. amen. That's right. And so we're going to get into God's word this morning because God wrote a book and he preserved some things in time so that we could know him clearly. Because here's the reality this morning. The most important thing in your life is your view of God. And the reality is, is that we've all brought in here this insidious ignorance of who God is. The, the, the thing that we desperately need this morning is an accurate view of the Almighty. And we need God to explode the box that we put him in so that we can see him clearly. If you're taking notes this morning, I've titled this message, How to See God. How to See God. And I want to make seven observations from a vision that Daniel has of God Almighty so that we can have a clear picture of who God is before we leave this morning. Daniel, if you're new to the Bible, Daniel's this guy that just has lived this faithful life of following God. And he's kind of in the twilight years of his life, and he's seen kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Daniel was a young man when, the, when Jerusalem fell, and then he got deported into Babylon, and he served in Babylon in the government. And then he saw Babylon fall, and now Persia has risen to power, and Daniel's serving in that kingdom now. And he's in his twilight years, and he has this terrible dream. And, and, he, and he writes it down. He's like, this is the vision that I had. And he begins to talk about these beasts that he saw. You know, like a lion with wings and a four-headed leopard and like, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. And he begins to say, this is what these sort of things mean. So he sees these four beasts in Daniel chapter 7, and each of the beasts represents a kingdom. One beast represents the Babylonian kingdom. Another beast represents the, Mede, the Medo-Persian kingdom. And another one represents the Greek kingdom. And the other one represents the Roman kingdom or the Roman empire. And he's seeing these things, and he's having like all of these like, oh my goodness, these are the, these deplorable, despicable kingdoms. And, and Pastor Phil last week, like he broke it down. And he basically said, who's your king and what kingdom are you going to serve? Now, I don't know if you've been tracking in this series, but there's been times where like I wanted to interrupt Pastor Phil and be like, I got a question. <laughs> you know, I got a question. Can we? And uh, if you have questions as we're walking verse by verse to the book of Daniel, write them down. 
we're actually doing a Q&A next Sunday afternoon, and you can come and you can propose those questions. And we would love for you to ask those questions so that you can understand the word of God for yourself. God wants you to be able to read his word and understand it clearly, and the best way to learn is to ask questions. So Pastor Phil, he's been breaking down what these four beasts mean. If you have questions, you can go see the Q&A, but then Daniel, in this chapter, he has a vision of a fifth thing. It's as if the heavens are ripped open and Daniel's able to see God Almighty and all of his fears are quenched that he had about the four beasts when he gets to gaze at God Almighty and then he gets comforted that I'm on his side, all right? And so Daniel's seeing God in this dream and we desperately need to see what Daniel saw and we need to take to heart the glory of God this morning. Here's what it says in Daniel chapter seven, starting in verse nine. He says, I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated. His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. And thousand thousands ministered to him, 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. We need to see God clearly this morning. And we're gonna see him clearly because we're seeing him biblically. The first observation that we need to see in God's character is we need to see his eternality. We need to see his eternality. Daniel, he refers to God as the ancient of days. Now, this is a really unique title only used here in the book of Daniel in reference to God. And what Daniel's trying to say is like, I saw God and he's like, uh, he's like before all memory. I saw God and he's, he's eternal. Like you can almost feel when Daniel's trying to describe God, he's just like throwing words together to try to give like an accurate description of what he saw. It's like he's lunging at the leash of language trying to describe the greatness of what he saw. You know, like, like he's on the border of his vocabulary and he's like uh, ancient of, uh, he's, I saw the ancient of days. Kind of a unique title, weird way of saying something about somebody. But what he's literally saying is, is I saw God and God was before days were, were even a thing. If you don't know much about the Bible, the Bible teaches that God existed before anything existed, <laughs> that he created time, that God is eternal, that God was, God is, and God is to come. And Daniel, he sees these terrible beasts and he could have been gripped by fear, feeling like, like those kingdoms were gonna last forever. But then he sees God and he says, God will outlast them all. And maybe you've come in here and you're in a season where you just feel like I'm, just, I'm in a place where I'm gonna, I'm gonna be single forever or I'm gonna be oppressed forever or I'm gonna be whatever forever and you need to look and see the eternality of God and when you join your life to God, you will live forever with God Almighty. And we need to see God's eternality. We need to see that God will outlast them all. And listen, things may have been bleak when you walked in here this morning, but they don't have to be blurry. Amen. You can see God clearly. Now, you may be in a difficult season, but it doesn't have to be a dim vision of who God is. And we need to see his eternality. We also need to see, point number two, his purity. We need to see his purity. Daniel says this, that he saw the ancient of days, and he says his garments were as white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. Daniel is seeing God's purity. <laughs> Here's what you need to know about God. God can't make a mistake. Like, like things God never said, I'm sorry, I messed up. He, he doesn't apologize. God is always good. He's always right. He's always perfect. God is pure. He cannot sin. 
And Daniel, seeing his purity, says he's, he's like clothed in this bright, perfect white without any stain. Uh, we had a student ministry event this last week called FSKO. Where are my students at? Holler. Anyway, and so students showed up, thousands of, I think a thousand people showed up here, you know, like, and they're all wearing white garments. And they were all wearing white garments because they were about to have a color war. You can see it right here. And uh, so they all showed up in white and they all looked clean and everything was, you know, fresh. But then they got out in the parking lot and they had a tie-dye fiasco out there throwing paint or throwing color at each other. And, and, and listen, we have all come in here spiritually and we would like to think that we showed up to church in our white. But the reality is, is that it doesn't take long when you live in this life to be colored with chaos and that we are all stained to one degree or another with sin. We've done sin that has colored us and we have had sin committed against us that has colored us with chaos. And we were made to be white as snow, but sin has entered into the world and has colored this world with chaos. And so when it comes to us even trying to fathom a pure, perfect, holy, and righteous God, we have no concept. God is of a different kind. God, that's, I mean, God, he's so, he's, he, he, he doesn't understand sin. He's impeccable is what the theologians say. He's without sin and we need to see his purity. Also, we need to see his authority. Point number three, his authority. That Daniel, he, he's seeing God's eternality. He's the ancient of days. He's seeing his purity. He's clothed in white and then he sees his authority. He says, I saw him on a throne and the throne was a fiery flame and its wheels a burning fire. And he said, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. That Daniel saw God seated on a throne with a flamethrower. I don't know if y'all were here a couple weeks ago, but Pastor Phil had a flamethrower. He like rented a flamethrower. It was awesome. Like the inner pyromaniac was like, that's my pastor, you know? I was so fired up, you know? And I don't like to like compare pastors to pastors, but you know, I mean, it's like a little boy, like my dad will beat your dad up. Well, my pastor has a flamethrower. What do you got, you know? And um, anyway, so, and I think my pastor will beat your pastor up. He's kind of yerk. Anyway, so, but feels like got this flamethrower, you know, when I see that, I just think, oh, that is like, he's the man. He's the man of authority, you know? And when Daniel sees God, he sees him seated on a throne of fire and like this fiery, not flamethrower, but like a fiery, some translations say river, was just, and he's just like, wow, that God is, what's the word I could use? Awesome, you know? He's the one that is in absolute control. He is in authority. He sees him on a throne of fire and of fury. I think sometimes we see God and we think that, you know, God's approachable. He's kind of like a, he's just a really nice God. Well, the Bible says that our God is a consuming fire in Hebrews 12. Uh, the Bible states clearly that, that no flesh can stand before God Almighty that our God is, he is bigger than we imagined and he is, he is, he is a authority, he is a, a king and he is seated on a fiery throne. The fire in the Bible, it represents God's wrath, it represents his fury. I would imagine Daniel again at this time, he'd been gripped by fear as he saw these other beasts and he's thinking, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, these are terrible things. But then when God shows up, it quenches every fear that he has. He sees his God. He's now in his 80s, Daniel is. And I would imagine in that season of life, there's times where you could just be feeling really insecure. Have I, have I followed the right God? And maybe, I, did, I, did I believe the right way? Did I put my faith in the right God? And then, and then Daniel, maybe if he had those insecurities, it's in this season, he's going, yes, I did. 
that our God is a consuming fire. He is the one true God. He is reigning on a throne of judgment. And listen, God is a God of righteous vengeance. He reigns supreme, and he is absolute in his authority overall. That he's in authority over every season in your life. He's in authority over everything in your life. God is in authority, and we need to see his eternality. We need to see his purity, and we need to see his authority this morning. We also need to see his majesty. His majesty. Daniel said when he saw God, he saw thousands of thousands ministering to him, serving him. And he said 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. This is Daniel's way of saying, I saw a lot of people, a lot of beings. And it was like too many to count. And he's getting this picture of this great throne of God and all of these beings and all of these people surrounding it and standing in honor of this amazing, glorious God. I don't know about you, but this is one of my most favorite times of the week getting to come together with God's people and getting to raise our voices and getting to sing and, and just getting to connect with you guys. And I just, I love when the body of Christ comes together at all of our campuses, at our church houses. I mean, I just love when we get to interact with one another and there's, there's power in our volume of people and then there's power in our volume of voice when we get to raise up and extol and exalt and honor and glory the name of Jesus. Like I, just love, I love getting to get together and sing with people. I love that we, get, we have people that come in week in and week out and that lead us in incredible worship. You know, like they just use their gifts and their abilities to lead us to worship God. And, and we're even in this season in our church's life where we're releasing original songs. Like we have songs that represent our house, so to speak. And we have this EP that we just released with our worship team. I don't know what EP is, but they got some songs out there, you know. And, and so like you can tune into them and you can sing with us and learn these songs. And as much as I love getting to do these sort of things, they are but a glimmer of the greater worship that is to come. That when we all stand in heaven someday, can you imagine more people than you can count standing in honor and in, and in attentive, just ready to go, worshiping the king of glory. And we get to stand there and they're listening and us just saying, hey, there's, there's no one like our God. He's the king of all kings. And, and then maybe you meet somebody and they're like, hey, how's your day going? And we all kind of jab each other and say, who's the new guy? We're in heaven. It's going awesome, you know? How's my day going? We're worshiping the God that sits on the throne that's like fire and the flamethrower. He's amazing, you know? And, like, and I, can't, I can't wait as much as the spirit of God ministers when we all get together how much more glorious will it be when we're in heaven? Amen. And we need to see his majesty this morning. And we need to see it with great clarity that our God is a God of authority. He's a God of purity. He's a God of eternality and he's a God that is majestic. Daniel, he goes on, he says this in verse 11, he says, I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. Again, he's seen this fourth beast that has these 10 horns that represents this like 10 nation federation and there's this little horn that represents the antichrist and the little horn is starting to like speak all these boastful things and he's raging against God. Well, here's what it says happens to him. He said, I saw the little horn speaking. And he says, I watched, note this, I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. And as for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away too. It says, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. The thing we need to see this morning based upon this text is that we need to see his victory. 
We need to see God's victory. You get the picture, right? Daniel sees the judgment of the beast by Almighty God. The court is gathered, the books are opened, and this monstrous ten-horned thing, and then all these other beasts that represent these great nations, they are judged by Almighty God, this divine courtroom where the Ancient of Days takes the beasts to task, and he judges them, and he flexes his victory over them. That there's this pervasive theme all throughout the scripture that goes like this, the wicked will be judged that God is righteous in his justice, that he is almighty God and, he is wa- and his ways are true, that God will have the victory of righteous justice over all tyrants to truth, and that we need to see his victory this morning. Listen, God will silence Satan. God will be victorious over sin. He will stop sin out. God will put to death death. And Daniel is seeing God, the judge, and he's seeing him judge the most terrifying powers in the world. And we need to focus on the victory that is in God this morning. This is a lifeline, y'all. I'm sitting on my front porch on Monday. I just got through cutting the grass, and a friend of mine calls me. A guy named Bobby, and Bobby and I, we did ministry together in Louisiana. And Bobby was like a mentor to me almost like a a father to me in many ways. Bobby's barely 60, and he called me to tell me that he has stage four cancer. And he begins to just kind of say, you know, this is what's happening, I don't know what my next steps are, we've got biopsies and all this stuff, and and, you know, and I'm just like, oh man. What what do you say to that guy, you know? And he just said, you know, I. I'm reminded of something that you taught me, and very gracious that he would say that. And he said that, you know, you you said several years ago that you need to learn to preach to yourself, not listen to yourself. And and what's Bobby preaching to himself right now? What, What is a man that's standing on the ledge of losing his life? What does he remind himself of? That God is victorious over death that no kingdom of cancer will have the last say. That's what he reminds himself of. And that we hang on to the victory of God or we're on the ledge of losing even our own life. Maybe some of you are here this morning and, and, and you don't know, you don't know what the future looks like. You know, some of us, we're in a predictable season, so we think. Maybe you come in here and you've received a diagnosis some other friends in our church, they started chemotherapy with their six-year-old because he has brain cancer on Thursday. And what do you say to mom and dad when they're on the ledge of losing? You, you look at them and you say, because of who God Almighty is, when you put your faith and trust in him, this is the only hell you'll go through. But caution, unbeliever, if you're not on the side of God Almighty, then this is the only heaven you get. One that's filled with stage four cancer. One that's filled with six-year-olds who are suffering chemotherapy. We need to see God's victory this morning. Listen, if you're down, look up. Amen. If, you're, if you're losing, see that God is winning. 
If you're oppressed, see God's dominance over the darkness, that no kingdom that will rise, no Greco-Roman kingdom, no Medo-Persian kingdom, no Babylonian kingdom, no cancer kingdom, no anxiety kingdom, no whatever kingdom that is oppressing you will have the last say because God is the God who reigns supremely and he is the one of absolute authority and he is the victorious one. We need to see God's victory this morning. The word of God goes on and it says this in verse 13. Daniel said, I was watching in the night visions. And he said, and behold, he said, one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Point number six, if you're taking notes, you need to see this. You need to see Christ clearly. Daniel's vision now changes a little bit. You know, he's seen the Ancient of Days, he's seen the throne, he's seen the thousands upon thousands, and then he, he sees this new figure arise, and he says, and behold, one like the Son of Man. Now, if we were studying the Bible just in my living room and we were walking through this verse by verse, we would, we would naturally ask the question, well, who is the Son of Man? Who is this person? And if you're new to the Bible, you understand that we serve a triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one. And so sometimes when you see God displayed and things like this, you're kind of trying to figure out who this is. And, and just a kind of a, a basic, you know, biblical study principle is that Jesus is the key to unlock a lot of the mystery of who the Son of Man is. Jesus is the second person in the Trinity. Jesus is the Son of God. When Jesus walked this earth in the Gospels recorded, one of the most common phrases that he used to refer to himself was the Son of Man. Now, if we were, you know, reading the, the words of Jesus, we could kind of, what did he mean by son of man? What does that mean? Son of man, son of man. And then we look back on the pages of scripture and we, we said, well, maybe he meant what Ezekiel was talking about. And then, well, I don't know about that. And maybe, maybe he meant something else altogether. Well, we don't have to be confused about what Jesus meant when he said son of man. He, he literally quotes Daniel chapter seven, verse 13 in reference to himself. And many people, they'll kind of throw the book at Christianity and they'll say, well, you guys follow Jesus. He never even claimed to be God. Wrong. Chapter verse, Matthew chapter 26. Jesus is on trial and, uh, and he's commanded to tell the Jewish priest. If he's the, they said, tell us if you're the Christ, the son of God. This is how Jesus answers. He says, it is as you said. Jesus, are you God? He says, yes, it is as you said. And then he just says, nevertheless, I say to you, if you're confused at all, he says, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. That Jesus is quoting Daniel 7, 13, and he's saying, if there was any confusion about who the Son of Man is, let me clear it up right now. I am the Son of Man. I am the person that is being presented to the Ancient of Days, and I am the one that he's given dominion and authority in a kingdom that will last forever. That Jesus is clearly saying, I am God. So much so that the high priest, it says in 65, then, then the high priest tore his clothes, and he said, he has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of, of witnesses? He says, look, now you have heard his blasphemy that Jesus is claiming clearly he is God. He is the son of man. That the son of man that Daniel sees is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. 
And this morning, we need to see Christ clearly as God. We come to this place, we sing songs to Jesus. We long to see lives changed by Jesus. We love Jesus, listen, because Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the ancient of days personified. He's the son of man who is given dominion right here. And he goes on to tell us what sort of dominion he was given in verse 14. It says, then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. That his dominion, it's an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Point number seven, and finally, we need to see his royalty. We need to see his royalty. That Daniel clearly sees what we need to see this morning. That all glory, all power, all dominion, they are forever gods. That Jesus, he's the king of all kings. Jesus, he's the Lord of all lords, that he's been given a name, that at the name of Jesus, one day, every knee's gonna bow and every tongue's gonna confess that Jesus is Lord, that he's been given dominion, that's an everlasting dominion. If that word's new to you, that literally means sovereignty, control. This is, this is a book about who's the king. That's the big pervasive question being asked in the book of Daniel. Who's the king? God's the king. Jesus is the king. He's been given dominion. He's sovereign over all. God has control. It will not pass away. And his control will not be destroyed. And we need to see God this morning. We need to see his eternality. He's the ancient of days. We need to see God's purity. He's clothed in white. We need to see his authority. He's seated on a throne that's on fire. We need to see his majesty, that there are thousands upon thousands that have been gathered around the throne of God to give him honor and glory. We need to see his victory. He will subdue all the vicious beasts and dominions and all the things underneath his feet. We need to see Christ clearly, that Jesus Christ is the Son of Man that comes riding on the clouds, and the dominion and the kingdom is given to him. We to see God's royalty, that he is the one that reigns supreme over all and his kingdom will not pass away. We need to see God biblically this morning so that we can see him clearly. So church, how do you see God? How do you see God? And how should you respond? We're about to stand in just a second and sing because I can't think of a better way to respond. After we feasted upon this scripture today, the most fitting response is that we just stand in awe and sing. After we sing, you're gonna get to hear from Pastor Phil. And then we're gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper. And then we still have quite a bit of worship left to do this morning. And so I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna stand and sing. We're gonna hear from Pastor Phil, then we're gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper before we leave this morning. And so if you would join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. God, we thank you that you are God alone. That you are the one that is holy, holy, holy. And the whole earth is filled with your glory. God, that you're eternal. God, that you're pure. God, that you're, that you're majestic. That you're in authority that you reign victoriously, that you are Jesus the Christ, that you are the royal one, that you have a kingdom that will last forever. And we thank you that we get to know you. What an honor that because of 
your sacrifice, Christ, we can boldly approach the throne room of God as children. So God, I pray that you would just hear our worship and that we would wipe away the, the fog from the lens of our life so that we can see you clearly. In Christ's name I pray, amen. We're gonna stand, we're gonna sing, we're gonna hear from Phil, and then we're gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper. Let's stand at this time. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures.
to have a seat. Church, I'm in downtown Independence, Missouri, standing in front of the historic Truman Courthouse. I will never forget my first trip to a courthouse to stand before my first judge. I was 18 years of age. I had just gotten my first traffic ticket, and there I stood. This was so intimidating. This was so scary. As my name is called and I walked to the front, it was like an out-of-body experience. In some way, this is what Daniel now sees. In the middle of Daniel chapter 7, he gives us four world kingdoms that would emerge with that last kingdom being Rome and those ten horns on this horrible beast being a revived Roman Empire, a ten-nation confederation that will emerge during the seven-year tribulation that Jesus has prophesied upon the earth shortly before he returns. And in the middle of this worldwide cataclysm known as the tribulation. Jesus said a time the world has never seen nor will ever see again. As he described it in Matthew chapter 24, it's like all of a sudden Daniel sees a parenthesis in the middle of this chapter, like a split screen TV. All of a sudden he sees a window of what is happening in heaven during the tribulation. It says in Daniel chapter seven and verse nine, I watched till thrones were put in place and the Ancient of Days, that is God, that's a title for our God, he was seated. It says his garment was white as snow, and his hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire, and a fiery stream issued and came forth before him. And thousand thousands ministered to him, ten thousand times ten thousands stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. And what is happening in heaven during the tribulation is God himself, the one that is scribed from all of eternity, the one himself who is full of royalty, power and majesty and glory. He is now seated on his throne in the great tribunal room of heaven, the great courthouse of the universe. He sits on his throne and the books are open. What's about to happen here is God himself is going to pronounce judgment upon the nations that are in full-blown rebellion. During the tribulation, he is about to bring judgment upon the nations for their idolatry, their immorality, their blasphemy, the debauchery, the depravity, and the books are opened in heaven as all hell is breaking loose on earth. I stood there that day and my chest was beating with my heart thumping. I'm looking into the eyes that seemed like he was all powerful and he held my future in his hands. He asked how I pled. I remember the word coming out of my mouth, guilty, because I knew that I had broken the law and that I was caught and that I knew I was going to get a penalty. But you know, there was somebody else standing with me that day. I'll never forget my dad came with me and he stood next to me. And as the judge was about to throw the book at me, and that's what you see here in heaven, God has a book in which he records all the sins, not just of the nations, but of you and I personally, and the books are open. And there's coming a day, even though you may not be in the tribulation, you're gonna stand in the great tribunal room of heaven, 
before this great judge full of power and majesty and glory, the one that's from everlasting to everlasting. And it tells us not just in Daniel 7 about the books that are in heaven, but in Revelation 20 and Revelation 21, did you know there is two books, the Lamb's Book of Life, in which all the redeemed of God, their names are written therein. But there's the books at the great white throne judgment of Revelation 20, where every person's sin has been recorded, every single one of them. And you will be judged from one of those books as God opens the book of sins. If your name is not in the Lamb's book of life, you will be judged therein. But if indeed your name has been written in the Lamb's book of life, for you have put your faith in Jesus, you've been forgiven of your sin, you've also then been exonerated of all the sins that are written in the other book. Your sins have been erased in the eyes of God. I stood there that day looking in the eyes of the judge and I just knew he was gonna throw the book at me. But he looks at me and says, I'm gonna act like this never happened. I'll never forget his words. He says, I'm going to completely exonerate you of this charge. And he said, I'm not doing it for you. He looks at my dad. He says, I'm doing it for him. I'm doing it because he came and stood with you. Do you understand one day when we stand in another courthouse in the great tribunal room of heaven and the books are open, if someone is standing with us, we will not be charged for any of our sin. We will be exonerated completely by the one that sits on this throne. It says in 1 John 2 and verse 1, that Jesus Christ is our advocate. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And on that day, Jesus Christ our Savior, the Son of God who died for our sin and rose again. If you have placed your faith in Him, He's going to be your advocate before the Father. He will stand with you as the one that died for you and rose again that you might live. God bless you. I hope that you're ready to walk into that courtroom unashamed, knowing your sins are forgiven. Well, we're about to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Um, if this is new to you, when we read in the New Testament on, on how we are to do this, there's a few different things that we do. First of all, we take a moment to reflect that we shouldn't rush into just remembering the sacrifice that Jesus has made on our behalf. And so I wanna just ask you a couple of reflective questions. First of all, do you know God? Like, are you in a right relationship with Jesus? You know, Pastor Philly shared that there are these books and there's a, a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. And that's the book you wanna be in. And maybe you're like, how do I get in that book? Well, here, here's how you do that. You admit that you're a sinner. You believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the grave, and then you confess with your mouth that he is the Lord and the boss of your life. That if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved, the word of God tells us. And you'll be exonerated from all of your sin. My wife and I, we were talking about this word exonerated. She's like, what does that word mean? And, uh, and she said, have you ever heard that word? And I said, oh yeah, oh yeah, I've heard that word, real confident. She says, what does it mean? I said, I don't know. <laughs> this is what exonerated means. 
that after considering all the evidence, I'm still gonna remove all of the guilt. That only in Jesus Christ can all of the evidence of your life be presented to an almighty God who sees all, knows all, and only in Jesus Christ can the guilt be removed. Have you received him as your savior? Others of you, you need to take a moment just to reflect on, are you right with God? You know Jesus Christ, you have a relationship with him, but you know that you're at odds with your wife, or you know you're at odds with God, and you need to take a moment and you need to make things right before you remember the sacrifice of Christ. And so I'm gonna give us some time so that we don't rush that reflection. I'm gonna, I'm gonna create some space so that we don't, we don't, we, so that we don't just move through and go straight to this. I'm gonna give you all about 30 seconds. And some of you, you need to ask Jesus to save you. You need to pray, God, I, I admit I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. Others of you, you need to ask Jesus to help you have the courage to make right whatever you need to make right. So let's take 30 seconds. Just have a moment of reflection before we honor the Lord's sacrifice. Some of you may need to pray something like this, Lord, I admit I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. Will you save me? Others of you need to pray, God, I know I know you, but I know that I'm not right with you. Would you forgive me? And once we've had time to reflect, we're now ready to remember the Lord's sacrifice. And so if you have this and you're a Christian, I would encourage you to bring this out. I want to remind you of why we are doing this. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, before he was crucified, he had his guys and he tore some bread and he said, this is my body. And what he was saying is, I'm going to be crushed, I'm going to be broken for you. And he said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And he gave them the bread and they ate. Shortly thereafter, he took a cup and a cup of wine, and he said, this is the blood of a new covenant, of a new era, that you can be forgiven of your sin, that the blood of Jesus is sufficient for salvation. And he said, when you drink of this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the sacrifice that you have made on our behalf. God, for many people, maybe they're stepping into a right relationship with you for the first time. And for many others, I pray that they would be remembering the sacrifice that you made. The ancient of days, the son of man riding on the clouds, humbled himself and took on the form of a man did not count equality with God, something to be grasped. He took on the form of a servant, even becoming submitted to death, death on a cross. And we thank you, Jesus, that you, that you were crushed for our iniquities. 
that by your stripes we are made whole. And God, I pray that we would live in light of the sacrifice that you've made from, for us and that we would walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which we've been called. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.